Welcome to another episode of Finding Your Strength Radio. I'm your host, Andrew Romeo. Today, guys, we're bringing on Vinny Hollister for another installment of our Mindset Minute. This is Mindset Minute number three, and I think you guys are really going to enjoy it. We start tying together all the pieces from the first two, layering it into the third, and I think that you guys are really going to enjoy what we're bringing to you. Before we get into today's episode, I just want to make you aware of some of our upcoming November events. Tomorrow, November 13th at 9 a.m., we're running Wade's workout. Um, this is we've, we've done this workout a bunch of years. Everybody should have their shirts by now, and I'm really excited. I'm actually going to be coming into the gym and running that class as well. So if you're listening to this on the Friday, come on into the gym, get a workout in, and celebrate Wade's life and all he's done to help battle neuroblastoma. On November 20th, we have RA Fam's Giving. It's going from 5 to 8 p.m. There's a sign-up sheet on the board. So please feel free to sign up on how many people are coming and what you would like to bring. And then on November 24th, we have our annual half marathon row. This kicks off at 4.30 in the morning. So if you're ready to get after it that early in the morning and you want to come in here and row a half marathon or bike at marathon or run on the treadmill or use the skier... We have some options for you. I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode as much as I enjoyed having the conversation, and I hope to see you in the gym soon. What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Finding Your Strength Radio. I'm your host, Andrew Romeo. So for today's episode, guys, we are diving into another episode of our micro-series or our mini-series, Mindset Minutes. We are on Mindset Minute 3. We are very, very fortunate that Vinny decided to join us again for today and continue on with the series. So, Vinny, welcome to the show. Andrew, thanks again for having me. I really feel uh, fortunate to to participate and uh, be part of the program. Thank you. Yo, you are more than welcome, man. Thank you. Um, we've had I've had a, a few different people come up to me in the gym recently and tell me how much they've been enjoying the Mindset Minutes. And the message that Vinny's been putting out there to the people and the takeaways and the tools that he's been giving has been well-received, and people are finding it. So, Vinny, just so you know, people are enjoying what you're talking about. They like it. Um, Glad to hear it. Glad absolutely. Hear. And for our listeners that maybe haven't checked out our Mindset Minute uh, series yet, I, I recommend that you go back and listen to it, but we'll, we'll quickly catch you up. Um, Vinny, if you don't mind, could you just quickly recap what we've gone through in Mindset Minute 1 and in Mindset Minute 2? Absolutely. I mean, at the end of the day, what we're trying to get to, let's take inventory of all of our thoughts, our beliefs, and ultimately let's change some of the habits and the attitudes that we have to achieve a, you know, a more prosperous and, and, and happy life. So in Mindset Minute 1, we really started at the basics. How does the brain work and how can we use the power of forethought. That's one of the main advantages of the human brain, the power of forethought and the power of intentionality to create the life that we desire. So we parlayed that from that, uh, Mindset Minute 1 and migrated into, okay, what are the key determinants through the lens of positive psychology that show us um, the highest degree of, of meaning and satisfaction in our life? And we looked at the PERMA model. The PERMA model within positive psychology, the acronym stands for positive emotions, engagement, the power of relationships, building solid relationships in our life, developing a deeper meaning, right? If we're engaged in activities, life uh, goals that have a deeper meaning outside of ourself, 
we report a higher degree of, of overall happiness. The last component was accomplishment, right? We spend an inordinate amount of time focusing on our accomplishments. We are going to be happier people, lead more meaningful lives, and uh, achieve, achieve our highest degree of, of potential. So today in uh, Mindset Minute 3, we're going to, to begin to take inventory. What are some of the key determinants, right, of how the brain works, how we can build more perma in our life, but what are some of the things that are within our control now when we look at how we can uh, take accountability, use our forethought, and drive change moving forward in our lives? Awesome, man. I, I really look forward to it. I, 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 I'm, for our listeners, I am right along with you for the ride of learning. And, and, I mean, I took a lot away from the last couple episodes, diving into the PERMA model and kind of reviewing my own self and reviewing my own life and going through my journal in the morning and going through these aspects. And I'm really looking forward to diving into uh, Mindset Minute 3 today with Vinny and figuring out well, what do I need to do to uh, to get there? So, Vinny, to kick it off with um, today's topic, where do you want to start? Yeah, so uh, today we'll look at three main determinant factors that are within each and every one of our control to change if we, if we desire, uh, if we choose to, if you will. Uh, the first one is locus of control. Second one is self-efficacy and self-esteem. So what we'll do today is we'll look at the literal definition of each of these, um, then we'll begin to look at the attributes that each of us have. If we have, uh, when we have a degree of locus of control, self-efficacy, and self-esteem, when we have it and when we don't. And as always, each mind, uh, Mindset Minute will end with specific takeaways of what we can do to enhance each of these, again, tied to leading the happiest life that we can. I love it, man. I love it. And um, I'm, I'm sure, as many listeners, I have never heard of locus of control. So what are we talking about there? What is the locus of control? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, in the psychology world, right? the locus, locus of control uh, essentially is the degree by which individuals feel that they have control or exert right, or influence the outcome in one's life. Uh, locus of control, there's two types, internal versus external. Folks who have uh, an internal locus of control, right, they believe that their own, their own abilities, their own actions, uh, and their own efforts determine the outcomes in their life. The other key determining here is that they also take ownership for mistakes. Okay. So it's a, a, this internal belief that I am the captain of my own ship, my own life. It's up to me to go out and navigate and create the life that I want. But along the way, just recognize there will be failures. There will be times when the outcomes aren't quite what we anticipated or wanted, but we take ownership for those mistakes. I can ver- resonate with that side of it very, very well. I, I, I find that that's where I identify. Um, but I'm sure there is another side of that as well where not everybody decides to be the captain of their own ship. No. And, uh, you know, the, the other one is the external locus of control. These are folks who are living more in this space. Uh, they feel the forces that influence their life is more based on random chance. There's environmental factors that are at play, and they often believe that others, right, people outside of themselves, are responsible for the outcome or uh, achieving the goals that, that we set forth. Unfortunately, people who live in that space, they have a tendency to blame. They have okay. a tendency to not take responsibility. They have a tendency to feel victimized, marginalized. And, you know, if you just hear those words, right, the, the physical response in your body is kind of like, ugh, you kind of feel stuck. So people with, you know, the external locus of control inevitably are feeling stuck, disenchanted, and not engaged in life to their fullest. That's really interesting. Um, 
I mean, it, it's it's I, I go my mind goes to different places because I know a lot of people like to view um, religion as their their what's controlling everything, and they they like to be like, well, this was God's plan. Well, well, was it God's plan, or did you somewhere subconsciously make decisions or didn't make decisions that led you to a selected outcome that now you're giving blame to or whatever it might be? And I, this isn't a religious show, guys, so I'm not going to deep dive into that kind of stuff, but that's just where my brain starts going with it. Um, well, awesome. And I think that gives me a pretty clear uh, vision of what locus of control is. Um, diving in from there, what's the next one? Well, so if we look at, right, what are some of the negatives? I want to just talk about the negatives and then the positives. Yeah. The negatives, and the, positives. the negatives associated with the external locus of control. Again, we tend to have a tendency to blame others. We don't take rep- responsibility. We have a tendency to feel stuck. The other thing is if we believe that others have more of an influence or are more responsible for the outcomes or achieving our goals, unfortunately, we're much more easily influenced by, uh, by other people. Okay. So when we're up against either setting our own vision, setting our own goals, if we come across people who, who are the naysayers or just not supportive of where we're going, we have a tendency to be adversely impacted by, by those negative views. Gotcha. Gotcha. So if we look at what are the benefits, right, what are the benefits associated with the internal locus of control? Candidly, it motivates most. It motivates most to be accountable, to take change, uh, take, excuse me, take charge of the areas of the life that they feel that are, that are very important to them. The other thing is, right, there's less anxiety. The why is there less anxiety? Because people are they're in a much better position to manage stress. Gotcha. They're, they're taking accountability. They're taking charge. They re- again, they recognize when I'm developing new skills, there's going to be mistakes. And if I take ownership of the mistakes and I think about what can I learn from that, and move forward, again, it's that intentionality, the ability to make the decision, I own this. Inevitably, you feel more in control. Yeah, and I use that a lot with um, when people talk about failure and those types of things. Of it, it's a mistake doesn't mean it's a failure. It's you learn your lessons from your mistake, and it's a building block to your success. It doesn't have to be a failure. And I completely agree where it does eliminate a lot of anxiety because you know that you can take those next steps forward to achieve whatever you're trying to achieve, and the game isn't over. Yeah, so you bring up an interesting point, right? The failure, right? It's it's not so much that you know failure. Right, is not not achieving the desired outcome, but what we are, you know we're touching on a, a future mindset minute about choice and our interpretation. What does the mean? We understand the definition of failure, but what does it mean to us? Gotcha. If we have a, a meaning of, of failure, means okay, we just didn't get the expected result. What can I learn and apply it moving forward? That's a healthier relationship with 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 failure. What it means to me is right. I get to learn from it versus people who are have a negative relationship or uh, have a negative interpretation of the meaning of failure inevitably uh, get get stuck and they don't pursue long term goals. They have a tendency to be to give up easily. Gotcha. So it's about the what is the meaning the meaning of failure. Gotcha. Interesting. Very, very interesting. So, Vinny, talking a little bit more about the locus of control. Um, when I know where I personally feel like I fall into versus internal versus external, but is someone born with a certain feeling of locus of control? Are they stuck with, hey, I am an external person with this, and am I stuck there for forever? Or is this something that they can change? No, I mean, it's a great question, right? So, so we look at it. What are the factors that influence locus of control? 
candidly, some of our earliest childhood experiences uh, significantly influence whether it's internal or external. Right? We look at the behaviors and attitudes that are role modeled by our caregivers. You know, if we grew up in a household where our parents were disenchanted with their jobs, they came home complaining that they got passed over by it for a promotion, uh, that we're not, they're not they're being uh, marginalized, they're not being respected at work, they're not developing new skills, right? Um, people, you know, young kids who are exposed to that mentality, that, that, that those sense of, of what's being role modeled for them real time, they're much more likely to fall into the external uh, locus of control versus if you grew up in a family where mistakes happened, that people were constantly taking ownership for, for when uh, things didn't turn out their way, that they were very much action-oriented. They're very much setting their own goals. They're, they were pretty much taking control of, of achieving said goal. You're much more likely to you know, walk out of those early childhood experiences feeling as if, you know what? Mom and dad took control of, of developing those new skills. They took adversity of, of uh, you know, getting passed over by that promotion. But you know what? I saw dad uh, take an extra uh, project management class. You know what? I saw, I, I saw mom really focusing on, on nutrition, you know, really taking, you know, getting certified a, as a nutritionist. I saw her taking steps required to achieve said promotion. That, that's awesome because I, I am a parent of young children and I, I use the hashtag a lot like be the example or whatever. But it, it really goes beyond um, just what you're physically doing. Um, it goes into your approach of life of a failure doesn't mean failure or you can always be developing yourself. Um, and my, my kids come down a lot in the morning while I'm reading. I read every morning and they're, what are you doing? Oh, I'm trying to learn this. I'm trying to learn that. I'm trying to, so. I think that's really cool because I, I think that's really cool because it even shows the long-term effects of what those small things can do for your children. Absolutely. I mean, science also shows, right, there's always a, I say always, but most often there's a genetic component. There's a personality and temperament. All of those things go into whether you're going to be more predisposed for an internal versus external. But at the end of the day, it's it's really those ch early childhood experiences and, and who or what, I know I've mentioned this in a couple of other Mindset Minutes, who or what we've given sanction to from the past can really determine, uh, unless we're really mindful about it, of, of how we're going to act and behave. Super cool. I, I really like that. I really, and especially because I can take that immediate personal um, takeaway of, this will affect your kids in their approach to life long term. So, hey, act accordingly. That's right. You know, so if we kind of pivot here, Andrew, it's like at the end of the day, what I'm so excited about my business and the ability to, to help and coach people is like we're never stuck. We get to choose something different. So if we find ourselves when we're looking in the mirror, we're leaning more towards external locus of control, and we know what we're listening to this, we can kind of envision the benefits of moving towards internal. Here's how you do it. Right, you take a step back, you look at you review your options. I mean, people with external locus of control are typically typically a fixed mindset. They're not focused on different opportunities or what other options there are. So take a step back, evaluate your options. If you're finding difficulty doing that, here's another key uh, another key tip. Seek the advice of others. Seek the others uh, advice of others that, that that you trust, that you respect. Um, it's just so important just to either be validated or just to show you that there's another way of thinking. There's another way of acting and behaving. Here's two other ones. These are my favorites. It kind of goes counterintuitive to uh, maybe what we're talking about. Make a conscious decision to engage in something that you know you're going to fail at. 
Interesting. Okay. Engage in something that you know you're going to fail at. Okay. What are the benefits? Well, ultimately, you're going to learn that failure doesn't feel quite as bad as you made it out to be, right? So the, the fear of the failure is actually many times, if not almost always, <laughs> uh, worse than, yeah, than the actual failure itself. The other thing is if you know going in that you're going to fail, you're less likely to blame. You're more likely just take responsibility. You know what? I really didn't have a, uh, I really did not have a positive intention of, of an outcome here. So I'm just going to, you know what? There's no one to blame but me because I, sure. I went in this with low expectations. Okay. And I'm sure that's a great tool for a lot of people, especially people, as you said, that don't put them into places that they fail very often. Yep. Where failure is a foreign, foreign thing where um, someone like myself and a lot of our listeners that are in gyms, well, we fail lifts all the time yeah. and it happens and it's expected to happen and you learn from it and you move on. But it's one of those tools a barbell can teach you. And a lot of people that aren't under barbells, I, I, I mean, I'm assuming an adult that's going through their most, their, their everyday life, failure is not a common occurrence. I mean, it depends on how they're engaged in life. There's many people that, you know, that have low goals. So there, there's low failure, right? So it really just depends on kind of how we're, how we're approaching yeah. life. But people with a growth mindset, people who set lofty goals, Inevitably, failure is just part of the learning process. Absolutely. I, I completely agree. The other piece here for uh, the last tip uh, to increase internal locus of control is awareness of the self-talk. Again, we'll cover this, I believe, in a future Mindset Minute when we're talking about uh, um, you know, very tangible skills to help regulate uh, uh, our behaviors. But having an awareness of, of the self-talk, is it more positive? Is it more, ta- more negative? And just, again early on just creating that awareness of, of what that sounds what that sounds like yeah I think um, I know I'm guilty of it sometimes where I think I'm probably the person in the world that I'm the meanest to is myself the things that I would say to myself I would probably never even imagine saying to other people and at a certain point uh, you have to look at what that effect is and what what that's doing to where you're you're driving and where you're going and what you're doing with it um, that's that's really interesting because I'm, I'm sure for a lot of people that self-talk is very limiting it can be one of the, it's one of the, the most limiting factors that uh, that we have of, of holding us back from achieving goals. But you know, the flip side is that there's very specific and tangible ways to to regulate that. And again, we'll I'm sure we'll cover yeah. that in a future session here. Absolutely, we can dive into that to some other later at some later time. Um, so I think I think that's the the locus of control. We, I think we covered that pretty well. Absolutely, cool. Absolutely. So uh, you know, wouldn't mind you know if we just take a now take a step at you know look at self-efficacy and self-esteem. Um, okay. There's some subtle but yet important differences or distinctions between the two. Self-efficacy, right, is one's belief, their own belief that they can get a specific job or a specific task done. Self-efficacy really refers to what is it that we can do. Again, a specific task of, or job of what we can do. Okay. Self-esteem is, is, is really different. It's the one's perceived view of, of one's own worth, one's own self-worth. Put another way, the degree or the extent by which we have respect for ourselves Here's the important distinction in my view. Self-esteem refers to our view of what we are. Self-efficacy refers to the view of what we can do. Okay, that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, So again, self-efficacy, what we are, self-esteem, See, I'm just switching around, right? (laughs) Flip that over. (laughs) 
No problem. So, no, that's super interesting. So, with self-efficacy, what I'm thinking in my mind is like, as I was talking about earlier, me reading in the morning. Those are things that I can do to learn new skills where I'm like, hey, I need to – the most recent book I read is how to develop um, entrepreneurial kids. Hey, if I want my kids to have a right mindset and I need to be a better parent for them, I need to read this book so I can arm myself with the tools to allow them to grow into – confident people that can run their own thing. So that that's where I'm pulling that in. In terms of self-esteem, is self-esteem something that you help people develop more? Or is that kind of like, well, I've always had low self-esteem and now for the rest of my life, I'm going to have low self-esteem? No. I mean, uh, we, we have the ability to, to enhance self-esteem, right? So if we kind of just look at you know, uh, some of the attributes or for people that have it and, and that don't. People that have a low level of self-esteem, they lack the clarity of goals. So use the example, right? You have this envision, this vision of yourself role modeling a specific behavior for your children, right? You have this vision. This is where you're going. People with low self-esteem also experience a high degree of anxiety and depression. The other piece is, right, they spend an inordinate amount of time uh, focusing on the negativity or negative experiences from the past. They give too much sanction to, to the negative self-talk. If I were to give one specific takeaway tied to low self-esteem and how we can pivot to increase it, right, is uh, people with low self-esteem are highly critical. Critical, right, by definition is, right, is looking at the negative aspects of, of a certain situation. If we're able to move from being critical to critique, right? Okay. There, in my view, there's no such thing as constructive criticism. Okay. Criticism is simply focusing on the negative. So what we say is let's 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 move from criticism to critique. Critique we notice the positives, excuse me, the negatives and the positives. So it's a balanced view. And then we end that thought process with I focus on the positives and what I'm going to take from this moving forward, it's going to help me grow. Okay. So it's you know so people with low self-esteem are highly, highly critical of themselves, filled with, with criticism. So how can we help people, right? You know, people with high self-esteem, what are they, how do they typically act and behave? Very much goal-driven. Again, okay. Again, we're going to get into goals in a subsequent mindset minute because this is where the power of change is ultimately to the goal. But um, very committed to the goal. The other thing, right, and you mentioned it, right, is, is, is tied to core values, People who have high self-esteem have a high self-awareness of their core values. So I heard you, when I heard you talking a few moments ago, right, you take your role as, as a business person, as, as a husband, as a, as a father. These are core values that you're bringing into your life, the power of, of de, you know, your core values of determination, grit, right, resiliency, respect, right, compassion. All of those, as I've gotten to know you, is part of who you are. And so you have this solid view of yourself connected to these core values. You've also spent, right, an inordinate amount of time on positive self-talk. Yeah, I mean, as I've, as I've come to know you, it's, it's, you spend a lot of time you know, teasing out the negative and flipping that, that, internal, uh, that internal dialogue. The other piece is, is this element of self-compassion and forgiving. Right? Okay. If, you're being, if you're taking yourself so damn serious, if you're going to be judging yourself for every mistake you're going to make, it's going to be hard to respect and love yourself, right? Yeah. Right. Part of the definition of high self-esteem, right, is the, right this internal respect for self. So the ability not to take yourself too seriously and forgive yourself when, when mishaps happen along the way. 
I, I think that's really important information for our listeners to hear. Because if you're someone out there that has low self-esteem, these are some really, um, really good things to hear about what what you can do and um, to make some changes. And I mean, we we, we you have Vinny's number and you'll have his information as well. So if you're listening to this and you, you need more from it, you can always reach out and talk to Vinny. But I do think these are super super important things. Yeah. Uh, to to bounce it back real quick to self-efficacy. Is self-efficacy, so it's what I can do to make change, is that something that is also learned? Is that a learned skill that people have to, I guess, I mean, I I would think at a certain point you have to have a certain level of self-esteem to believe that you can make change, right? Are these all kind of compounded or? I mean, it's yes and no. Okay. So I'll answer the first first question that I thought I heard first, right? Can you increase, are we born with self-efficacy? No. Okay. Is it something that we can develop? Absolutely. So okay. What are the keys to develop in self-efficacy? Right. The you're focusing on focus on the the, the the accomplishments of your tasks. Right. As you begin to engage in developing new skills, you're focusing on the accomplishments along the way. So again, gotcha. that 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 envision, you know, knowing that mistakes will happen, but as you're gaining confidence in your skills, mastering of the skills, focusing on those accomplishments. This one's pretty cool, right? Precarious experiences, so we're able to view others from afar. You know, if you can see Yosh over there squatting 600 pounds, you know damn well if, if Yosh can do it, I can, I can definitely squat 600 pounds. So the ability to view somebody from afar and seeing they can do it, I most definitely can, can, can do it as well. Uh, you as a father, I'm sure you'll appreciate this next one, the power of verbal persuasion. How okay. many times have we, you know, uh, you know, coaching our kids along, you know, little Billy, get up off the ground there, you, you skin your you skin your knee, riding your bike, get up, right, you know, uh, uh, little Sally, same thing, right, you know, you fell off your bike this time, get back up, mm-hmm. right, you know, that, that power of verbal persuasion, time and time again, if we hear the message enough, we're going to act and behave accordingly, so the degree that we can, our own internal verbal persuasion, and again, surrounding ourselves with people that are going to support where we're going will be, will be go a long way to increasing self-efficacy. No, I think that's awesome because that's one of those things. Uh, it's a saying that we use, and it, it applies to almost uh, any circumstance, but we use it in the gym world a lot, is if you're the strongest person in the gym, you're probably in the wrong place um, because everyone's chasing you, whereas you want to have that uh, that effect of you see people doing these big achievements and you see things happening and it pushes you to drive you further. And as you said, as a dad, yeah, I'm telling my kids all the time to get up. <laughs> you're fine, get up. You're fine, get up. I'm not going to look at that because if I look at that, you're going to start crying. Just get up. You'll be fine. You'll be all right. Yeah. So going to the other question that you mentioned a moment ago, right? You know, you have to have high self high self esteem to high self efficacy. It doesn't necessarily play out that way. Okay. So we can have right high self efficacy and low self esteem. So what does that look like, right? How many times I, I work with you know highly successful people in in, in the business community, boatload of responsibility, the money, the whole the whole nines. Um, they have this this view of themselves, right? Totally committed. They have a tendency to be very perfectionist, uh, you know, uh, uh, very very goal driven, tied to performing a particular job. Okay. Um, you know, I'd like to to uh, articulate this out with an example. Um, many people don't. Many people may not understand 
the story of Michael Phelps. Michael Phelps was somebody that had a high degree of self-efficacy and low self-esteem, right? Interesting, because you would never view him, the greatest swimmer of all time having low self-esteem. It's not something that I would ever envision. No, right? So, I mean, you, you look at him, right? Probably one of the most decorated, if not the most decorated uh, uh, summer uh, Olympian in, in, in the history. Yep. Uh, all this time, how many thousands of hours in the pool, right? You know, I can't even imagine. Yeah, I, me either, me either, right? All the time and energy lifting the weights, uh, everything required to, to get to that level. But people may not be aware of, of his story, right? You know, uh, he was consumed with anxiety, depression. He lacked a sense of purpose in his life. His whole life revolved around, at least it's at this point in time when, when he's experiencing the depression and anxiety, tied to this ability to view himself as a successful swimmer. Interesting. And he lacked that internal, that internal deep meaning. He wasn't connected to his core values. He wasn't connected to a broader purpose outside of being a superstar in, in the limelight of, of being, uh, being an Olympian. Interesting. I'm sure that's something that people, I'm sure he got help and continued to grow. But certain people that don't get help, that's why you see these superstars just walk away. Yes. And they don't care. They're like, nope, I don't want to do that. I don't want anything to do with it. And from the outside looking in, you're like, how could you, how could you walk away from that? You, you are the best. You're the greatest. Why would you ever leave? But when you kind of look at it through that lens, you can understand a little bit more why if what, what's going on. But I'm assuming that he probably got help along the way. Well, that's one of the beauties. I use him as an example to try to illustrate these, these, uh, these topics here today because he did just that, right? He initially sought professional help to treat the symptoms of depression and anxiety. But where he really started to build up his self-esteem, he, he organized a foundation. And, he, and a part of his nonprofit foundation was tied to a stress management component. Oh, very cool. Yeah. So he, he built, he took his own experiences, really connected with people, giving back to the community, helping people deal with stress, deal with stress in a different way that he did. And so he got in touch with his values, right? He started to be mindful of the positive behaviors that he was exhibiting on a day-to-day basis, his kindness, his empathy, his compassion, right, his drive, his coaching. So he looked at, right, he took a hard look at the choices that he was making and his positive behaviors. And over a course of time, you know, it's, uh, he's been able to, to really build up his self-esteem to get in line with, with the self-efficacy that he's had all along. And, I'm ass- that, and that's, that's a really interesting story because I'm assuming the development of self-esteem helped his swimming career, probably gave, made him have a longer swimming career, but then also probably allotted him a life after swimming. Big time. I mean, you, I don't know if everybody watched the Olympics this uh, this past summer, but you know, I mean, he got into into some of his story, and uh, you know, he describes you know uh, you know his life now has so much more meaning. You know, I mean, he yeah. was very proud standing on the podiums all those times, sure. but uh, you know, his podium of his own life right now is is probably the biggest gold medal he'll ever have. That's super cool. I think that's a really really great. Um Way to way to answer that question in terms of how does self esteem and self efficacy play the role they play with one another and how they're not necessarily directly connected but they can influence one another. Absolutely. I mean, the other one is that you can also have low self efficacy and high self esteem. Okay. Low self efficacy, high self esteem. So somebody may have you know high self esteem in terms of how they value. Uh, their health and, and well-being, right? It's connected to living long-term with their kids, being there for their partner, right? The ability to, to engage life in, in, a, in a very meaningful way. 
but yet they may not have the cooking skills. So in this example, right, someone will have the option, right, through the lens of choice, forethought, commitment, uh, you know, to learn how to cook, take cooking lessons, go on YouTube, how do I cook, uh, you know, uh, poached salmon over quinoa with a nice side of uh, butternut squash, right? So sure. they have the ability to figure out, go out and develop the skill set, right, develop the skills required to enhance self-efficacy. Interesting. And is that, do you find that self-efficacy is almost like the snowball effect where you, you learn, so they, they Googled it, right? And they're like, hey, I figured out how to boil water and I figured out how to make a couple dishes for myself. You know what? Maybe I could figure out a couple more things. Does that someone have that snowball effect? Absolutely. I mean, that's, I mean, again, we go back to, right, the, how do you continue to enhance uh, self-efficacy? You focus on the accomplishments. You revert back to where in point in time in the past did I learn and develop new skills and it turned out the way that I want. And that's that's exactly what we're talking about here. That's super interesting. I can use a personal example here. And I'll use – it's uh, developing the, the podcast, right, producing the podcast. Um, up until this season three, uh, Evan did all of our production and editing, and I had no idea how it worked. And I made the decision to research how to do it. And I dove into it, and I figured it out. And I was like, oh, I do this, and I do this, and I do this. And it snowballed for me being able to figure out, okay, this is how I figured out one part of it. Now let's figure out how to, the next part of it or the next part of it and how to edit it. And it, it's one of those things where I gained a little bit of self-confidence because technology is a little scary for me because I don't want to mess things up. But once you realize, well, you're not, you're not failing, you're just changing it and there's no failure, it becomes less intimidating and less scary and the, the snowball grew. Yeah. So, I mean, if you describe that whole process, right, within there, right, yeah. Uh, my assumption is you were really focused on even when the mistakes were happening. I know, I know for your audience, this may sound redundant, but it is just so critical. When the mistakes are happening, it's right. What is it that I'm going to learn and apply to the next time? Yep. To apply to the next time. And that is just so important. And on my side of the podcast part is how to edit it and quickly and effect effectively and not have it take this enormous amount of time where you're like, oh, I learned this new skill. I just cut off half the time it previously took me. That's amazing. Um, and then obviously my goal, my the goal that I wanted to achieve was producing a podcast. And here we go. We made it happen. But very cool, Vinny. Anything that we missed on those three topics? Anything else that we need to cover? No. I, mean, I think we've covered the topics. So I think Sweet. if we really look at it, right, the, so if we, you know, how can we end this mindset minute here today, right, in my mind is, comes down to the word balance how can we find the right balance between internal locus of control right this belief that you know i'm the i'm the captain of my own life achieving my own you know responsible for achieving my my own goals with a right nice dose of self-efficacy right this belief that i can develop new skills new tasks that in conjunction with a high degree of self-esteem right this belief that uh, of myself of who i am what i'm all about if you're able to find a nice balance between all three of those, there's a very high likelihood you're going to be leading a very meaningful life. Very cool. I love it. I like it a lot. Uh, Vinny, before we, we end the today's episode, if our listeners are looking to find you, where can they find you? Yeah, so uh, my website, www.propel2.com. Uh, yeah, I'm Calendly, you can just set up an appointment, leave me a, leave me a message, uh, or you can uh, give me a call at 860-493-3068. Perfect. Perfect. There you go, guys. So you have Vinny's information. I, I really hope that you found today to be really enlightening and pulled something out of it because I know I did, and I learned a lot as we worked through this. 
And if you need more information and you need some help, please feel free to reach out to Vinny, give him a call, or go on the website, book an appointment. And um, I'm, I'm really happy that you listened, and I hope that you enjoyed our conversation as much as I did. See you later, guys. And that concludes another episode of Finding Your Strength Radio. I hope you guys enjoyed Vinny and I's conversation today. I know I enjoyed the conversation. I got a lot out of that conversation, and I hope you did too. Remember, if you're looking to come into the gym and train with us or get some nutritional coaching, you can always find us at RomeoAthletics.fitness. You can find us on our social medias on Facebook and on Instagram at RomeoAthletics. Look us up. Get get into the gym, schedule an intro meeting where we can talk about what your goals are and how we can best help you accomplish them. I can't wait to see you in here, guys. We'll talk to you soon.